Money Show. Small business. Pablo Fatidi, steps one and two. Let's go through them very, very quickly before we get to people. So step one was about positioning. It answers the question, what makes your business special through the eyes and the experiences of your customers? Not through your eyes, but through their eyes, Bruce. Positioning. But it is special. It's wonderful. It's got like <laughs> shiny lights and bells and things. It's beautiful. Look at this business. It's wonderful. Nobody else cares, though, and that's a problem, isn't it? That's exactly the problem. It's exactly the problem. And if you try and compare, if you try and compete with bells and whistles, I promise you all your competitors have got the same bells and whistles. And if they don't have them, they, they will build them. So the idea is that a business is there to solve a problem. Who do you solve the problem for? Where are they? And the more clear you can be around who those individuals are, and you can define what experience they expect of you to support and serve you, and you have you serve them, it's positioning, the first layer. We then have to bring that to life. And the most important thing about bringing it to life is doing so in a manner that lets you as a business owner know you can create that consistent, predictable, absolutely certain customer experience again and again and again and again. And that came to life by building the gears in the business, what we call the system of delivery. The gears are, how do you market your business? Gear one. Gear two, how do you, when someone's interested in buying from you, you convert them into a customer? How do you then fulfill your obligations and promises to them? And how do you administer that whole process? Those are the systems of delivery. And tonight, one of the toughest, toughest elements to get right because of the dynamic nature of this creature called the human being is about how do you get the right people to do the right thing all the time, every time, and Bruce, at the right price too, because it's them, they, it, that dynamic living organism of human capital that breathes life into the systems in order to entrench your positioning in the market on a reliable basis. Yeah, people, people, people make or break a business. Um, those that are, you know, you can have supremely talented people. They may be dysfunctional, however. They may be destructive to your business. They may not be um, who you need. Um, and you only find that out probably too late, I suppose, um, in many cases, uh, Pavlo. And I mean, you've been hiring people over decades, I suppose. How do you? Is there a formula? Is there a secret recipe to getting the right people? No, there isn't a secret recipe, but there's a very, very improved recipe in comparison to the way that we are taught to do it. So what we are ideally taught or what we're told or what we read about or what we see and experience is that you need to get people on board. So what do you do? You decide where you need people to come on board. So let's take the example. One of the hardest things to get right is uh, 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 is human capital, human potential in sales. Sales is a really, really tough task. Not only is the environment very difficult, but salespeople themselves are, are tough people to work with, tough people to get on board. And it takes real, real talent to identify and understand what makes a good salesperson. So if we're going to talk about sales, which is arguably um, the, the, the biggest issue that I certainly face right across business, what happens is you... Look at the function called sales. You go into the internet and you type up sales job description. You create this job description 
It's a functional job description. It's the gear of selling. You place it out there into the ether, either online or through a recruiter. And a whole bunch of people come across your table. You eventually get to a point where you reduce the four, 500 CVs down to the top three or four. And as you read through, read through these CVs, Bruce, there are two things that happen. The first thing is, because you're so you're under so much pressure to get that role filled. Carl Jung, the psychologist, turned on and said, when you're under pressure to get an engagement with a human being going, you tend to project your finest qualities <laughs> and yeah. cognitive biases then activate onto that person. And Malcolm Gladwell wrote an interesting book about this. He turned on, the book was called Blink. Mm-hmm. He said, if you see it out the corner of your eye, it's there. Don't ignore it. As much as you want to, as convenient as it may be, if you have the slightest doubt, don't fall into the doubt. Don't ignore the doubt, but explore the doubt. So that psychology gets in the way. The next piece that gets in the way, Bruce, when you read CVs today, you would think you're working with Elon Musk in every <laughs> single instance, every single every- turn. What, everyone who sends you a CV is nuts? Oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, crazy geniuses, perhaps. Okay. It's really, really hard to make an evaluation of that. And I think that one way to get around that is if you're looking to hire and get people on board, rather look to hire not for a function, sales, for example, but look to hire somebody who you can bring on board to run, build, operate, lead, innovate, and be responsible for the sales system that you had built in the step before. If a system is made up of activities that can be measured, it immediately means, Bruce, you can ignore everything on the CV and you can start to, in the interview process, ask that person about their experience in performing the activities that you want performed. You can hear very quickly whether someone has done it before or not. And there's a great, great anecdote that I can share with you around why this matters. Years ago, when I was at Witts uh, University, I was studying building science. And building science was the brainchild of the dean of the faculty of mechanical engineering at the time called Ronnie Schloss. And Ronnie had gone out to market. He'd spoken to the construction firms, the engineering firms out there. And he said, what skill sets are missing given the nature and the change of engineering across South Africa. And they turned on and they said, Ronnie, you know, we need someone who is capable to manage a multidisciplinary team. For example, can they manage an architect? Can they manage a quantity surveyor? And can they manage an engineer? And Ronnie put together this course called Building Science. In the first year of study, there were about 98 people in the class. We all went and we diligently studied and we tried our best to get through to the other side of it. At the end of the first year, 39 people went through to the second year. And the way Ronnie said it is he turned around and he said, I have built this on the back of my reputation. I'm a proud person. I've got a 40-year academic history and career and brand in the industry. And I will not have anyone go through (laughs) to the second year that doesn't deserve it. He then turned around and said, all of you 
can go on your summer break, the December period, bar one of you. And that person... The is. <laughs> exactly. And I went up to, to Prof afterwards and I said, why? And he turned around and he said, it's likely that should you complete this program with me, you're going to start your own construction firm. And here's the thing. What we teach at university is academic. It helps you fit into a large corporation. It helps you speak the language. It helps you understand the entire process of very, very large projects. But if you start your own business, you need to know how to dig trenches, how to lay slabs, how to lay bricks, how to chase wires. And I said to him, why? He said, because if you don't do that first, how do you know that the person you're hiring is the right person <laughs> and can do it at the standard and spec you wish? Haven't we all hired that builder? Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so, Bruce, that's the key to it. If you have built the systems, you have a very, very good way yeah. of understanding how to interview and ensure you're getting the right individual on board that can truly perform the activities that make up those systems. You've got and you've got to put your emotions at bay. I like this person. They smile. They look like they'll be nice to have around the office. They may be a complete disaster uh, because what you've got to be able to do, I suppose, is get them not only to be pleasant and to be a pleasure to be around because one person, one person in the office can change the energy of a place completely. Who you know, who just chooses not to uh, to to play the game. Um, but you've got to get them to do the right thing, and you've got to get them to do the right thing at the right time, if not all the time, I suppose. Yeah, and very and very very quickly, because the longer it takes for somebody to get to grips with the the job at work, uh, the more it costs you, and very often. I think delegation is, is arguably one of the hardest things to get right. And when I look at businesses and when I look at what gets delegated, very often, Bruce, people delegate instructions. If it's not a set of instructions, I'm working with a fascinating individual at the moment who has a very successful business. He is battling, battling, battling to anchor down his sales team. And when I spoke to Harry and said to him, how do you delegate? And he said, well, I bring them on board as sales reps. So he sells appliances right around the country. I bring them on board as sales reps. I give them their samples. I give them their portfolios, appliance they need to visit. And then I say, go sell. And I said to him, but Harry, how can you then measure performance? How can you be sure that they're doing what they're meant to be doing and, and in the manner that you want them to do it? How do you know where they're falling, stumbling, failing, or succeeding so you can improve? And we went through a process around this because if you delegate a system of selling, the activities in a sequence that can be measured, as opposed to an instruction to simply go out and sell, Bruce, it puts you back in control. You can capacitate that individual very, very quickly. You can measure as to whether they're succeeding or failing and you know how to support them. And it's in your interest to get that right fast. A system is easier to get that done with than a job description. It's it's really important, and I, I don't know if people fully appreciate the responsibility on them as the employer to make sure that the person they hire does the job. It kind of so often people go, well, you know, you've got the experience; it's on your CV. Just do it, and then they do it the way they think they should. Is it the best way? Is it the way you need it yeah. done? Pro pro probably not. Uh, and, and and again, it comes down to ensuring that you get the right person, but you've also got to get the right person at the right price. And especially in 
a place like South Africa where skills are few and far between, I wonder about the the temptation to overpay uh, for somebody in a role. Um, and you hope that if you reward somebody well, they perform like an absolute superstar. But if you're paying everybody in your business more than a market rate, well, then you, you're really not going to be that competitive in that environment, I would think. No, you're not. You know, you can't throw money at this problem because if, if you're onboarding people and you're onboarding them without a, a proper understanding of what they're meant to do, without being able to show them how to do it and give them the tools that they need to succeed, simply throwing money at it because somebody might have had a weekend course at Harvard or something along those lines is, is not going to solve the problem. The second thing, Bruce, is you're absolutely right. In South Africa, without any question of doubt, there's a shortage of skills. We as small business, growing businesses, building businesses, private business, cannot compete with these big, enormous corporate, JSE-funded, public-funded companies. We simply can't compete. The other part is this. If you do find someone who's remarkable and you do pay them a pot of gold and they deliver a pot of gold, in many ways, the tail wags the dog. It puts you at a complete disadvantage when it comes to the end game. Because remember, if we're building towards 100 million and a large part of that 100 million sits in the hands of one or two rock stars in your company, well, then where is the value in the business? Is it with assets that can walk out or is it within the architecture, the system, the design of this product called your business that independently of all the people involved can be measured and valued at that hundred million? It puts you in a really difficult position and it's not a place or space where we can afford to compete. And it goes back to your point to the system of delivery, um, because if you do lose a salesperson or two, or you do lose an operations manager and you don't have the immediate skills within, if you have a process in place, well, then people can learn the process. And however talented the person is who may have left um, for a better opportunity and a half or you know, got hit by a bus or whatever the case might be, at least you know that your business is sufficiently resilient to survive it. Completely, completely. But it changes over time. You know, when you start up, you've got to employ people who are cross-trained, who have the resilience of mindset and are going to be jack-of-all-trades because everybody has to be involved in everything. But as you get going from startup and you're looking to then scale up your business, identify those that have shown good promise, Bruce, and let them lead the development along with you, the co-creation of those business systems, the system of delivery, because if you allow them to do that alongside with you, it means that they feel valued, they're co-creators of it, it delegates the responsibility to them, and they will feel accountable for delivering on that system itself. The next phase, which is ramping up, insist that they capacitate themselves. They build a team underneath them because their focus needs to move away from doing the system to leading it. And that means working with a team to optimize each system and ensure that they all integrate to create that single experience. And the last piece, which is all around value app, when you've got that team working like that, that leadership team, lock them in. Give them a long-term future in your company because should you wish to then exit, one of the most significant areas of challenge that everyone selling a business faces from a buyer is Bruce, without you there, who is the team 
that will deliver this future that you've enjoyed in the past. Absolutely critical. Pablo, thank you very much indeed. Pablo Fatidis, he is the founder at Auric Business Accelerator.